Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, uh, we're back on the boiling point, man. Uh, How was your last half hour? Uh, Great. Great. In between uh, interviews. Um, Yeah. No, no, everything's good. I've got rehydrated, got a little food in me. Um, It was, uh, and and I'm excited about the next conversation uh, we're going to have with, uh, and we were, you know, when we want a big shout out to Michelle, right, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's our professionally persistent uh, professional <laughs> and it's, and it's sales giver, so she's very good at what she does and i was gonna say it's and that's dan uh speaking right now um it's so imp- who are our guests we're gonna get to introduce himself in a second but what she did i think is pretty important in this conversation is that uh, that uh, that persistence and um but i want we want to get we'll get into that in a second but she but it was just it was not lost on either greg or, or i um, who have our own kind of constant hustle going and staying in front of the touch and all that kind of stuff. So uh, shout out to her and she speaks very highly of you and sent a nice little bio. So, um, so welcome to the show, Dan Englander. Is that right? Yeah. Englander, Englander, Englander. same, same, the country with an ER basically. I, I can I Canadianized it. I, sorry. I apologize. It works. Same thing. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. It's like my last name is, is actually Vale, but but it's it, it's spelt veal, so I just kind of go with whatever people whatever people yeah. uh, decide they want to use. So Dan, tell us a little bit about or for our guests uh, or for our guests for our listeners a little bit about you and your background and and uh, and sales schema. Yeah, yeah. So my background uh, originally, you know, out of college, moved to New York and ended up in the ad agency space because that's kind of where you just gravitate towards if you don't know what you're doing in New York, I think. And uh, I basically worked in accounts for a number of years then worked on uh, clients like Monster Cable and Big Ten Network and Mark Echo and then got a little bored of that and sort of landed in a business development role or sales role basically uh, for an animation studio. And it was actually kind of a split client service role. So I didn't really want to be in sales. I didn't know I was in sales. And then at one point, my boss at the time was like, do you want training? Do you actually want to do this right? And went through training and actually ended up, you know, getting, getting pretty good at it. I still, I still don't think even then or now that I'm as good as some people I know, but I'm, I'm decent and, you know, learned a lot from that and eventually kind of took that Tim Ferriss pill and traveled Asia with, with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, started, started a consultancy basically focused on, on business development for marketing agencies, for boutique marketing agencies. And that was 2014. And, you know, we've changed a lot since then, but basically uh, what we're doing now is sales and prospecting for, for boutique marketing agencies. So that's uh, the name of the company again, sales schema. So that's kind of, kind of the nutshell story. That's cool. I I like the, uh, the Tim Ferriss reference too, because uh, what, what, what was, what was his first book where where he talked about you know, literally selling pills, <laughs> selling yeah, yeah, vitamins yeah. from, from the beach. Only I could have done that. Just taking a supplement and gained all that experience from him. Four hour work. So that's really, that's really cool. So uh, just, just kind of separating us from ourselves for a second, seeing the impact of, of uh, content creators like Tim Ferriss, who uses podcasts, who is a prolific writer as well. And just puts himself out there in the way that the four of or three of us do, 
Um, yeah. Look at the impact on, on yeah. people like you. And like Seth Godin is another big uh, hero for Dave and I. We've had Seth on our show uh, for a couple episodes. And yeah. uh, like there's these, these people who've been able to leverage these tools from the pretty much from the comfort of their own home, if you will, and yeah. inspire uh, inspire inspire people to do business in uh, in real creative ways. And you you are a living example of that. We have a uh, film company. We do a lot of animation as well. And uh, I would say you'd probably see us closer as a boutique marketing agency, even though we're not a marketing agency. We're a film and, and video production company. But yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to hear what you what you've got here, man. Uh, this, 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 just just as build on that, Greg, um, Dan. What I thought, Greg and I have um, some training we call the Bowling Point Process, and it's kind of lessons learned in the trenches. Two entrepreneurs. He owns a, a, a filmmaking company, as you mentioned. I own an executive coaching company, and it's kind of you know what we learned, and then when we launched a podcast, how we did it with you know on a shoestring. And, um, but something that's one of the things we take, we talk about and it's not, it's not unique to what we're saying, but is this whole idea, like, know your avatar, know your persona, know who you're selling into. And I thought, isn't it interesting that you, you, you describe a fractional new business team for marketing agencies. And you said, and then you've, you've even nuanced that a little more by saying boutique marketing agencies, I believe is what you said. Yeah. So how did you, how did you, how did you land on that? And cause that's, that in itself, Dan, I find is is really hard for people, for a lot of us to do because, yeah. because we, we, because in, in theory, you could probably do it for, you know, virtually any company out there. Right. 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 And it's, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of interesting and this is going to sound like ridiculous, but I've always likened the mechanics of building a business to, to breaking bad in terms of like the, the, the decision tree, right? You make, he makes, he makes one decision and then another, and then all of a sudden <laughs> this meth Lord that like owns the entire Southwest or whatever. And you know, I hope that that never happens to me, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think that there, there's something to that. You know, I, it definitely wasn't deliberate. I think there was a lot of wheel spinning in the early days and then it was sort of like, okay, we stepped on something interesting. There's something there. Let's keep going. And then, you know, uh, some of it's from my background because that's where I have some bona fides or whatever. Um, but but yeah, you know, it, it was a, it was a process to get there, and so far so good. Um, I, I think that for a lot of our clients, it's it's really nerve wracking to specialize, and I, I think that that tends to be true when they've built themselves up for a long time on referrals and personal networks and bus business that's sort of reactive. And there's nothing wrong with that because that means they've done really great work. But I think making this sort of leap into the cold water of being like really deliberate about the type of business you want to build, um, you know, it's frankly, it takes, it takes some courage. And, but once you do make that decision, everything else becomes easier. You know, everything you're doing, sales, marketing process, et cetera, uh, becomes a lot easier. So, so, hard, so what, do you, yeah. what do you think, like, and that's, because we, I mean, we, we both talk about it, Greg, about how, you know, I started, well, started a coaching company and, and when, you know, in, in, we moved to leadership coaching, we call it, but in theory, you know, that could be anyone, right? In a sense, anyone's a lead, you know, yeah. and, and really feeling like you, you know, and, and just spinning your wheels a little bit because you're, you're selling to everyone and then slowly you figure it out. But there, and then Greg, you, you describe a similar process, you know, in terms of making, you know, videos and, and doing some of your work. Um, but what, what is it that people are scared of, you know, in terms of chunking it down and getting that focus, do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's probably the, the fear of, of putting your eggs in one basket, you know, and having to turn down business. Or if you have clients now, are they going to get mad because they feel like you're, you're turning away from them? And I think, you know, I, I get that. I get it. But I think that 
we're getting to a point now where the risk of not doing it is going to, is, is a lot bigger than the risk of, of, of making one of those decisions, even if it doesn't work out. Um, and, and I think, you know, ultimately there's, there's going to be a moat around the, the providers that, that choose to do that, that choose to double down um, that uh, other people won't have, you know, because I think that because of this whole long tail thing, and I know that Seth, Seth Godin talks a lot about that. A lot of smarter people than me have talked about it. Um, it's getting easier and easier to make a business by winning relatively focusing on relatively few people. Um, so that's, that's kind of how, how we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're talking about boutique marketing agencies um, even becoming sharper and even more specific, um, what are some examples of, of that? Like, for example, our company, I mean, we're a B Corp, so we really tend to focus on you know, creating content for other companies that are you know, committed to making the world a, a better, more sustainable place. But we also do a ton of other stuff. Like, we're not a niche company. Uh, yeah. Always wanted to be but we are not, you know, because we, we just make really great films and, you know, but uh, walk us through if we were a client, for example, serving a lot of good companies, but how, like, how do you get that whole team on board to say, you know what, let's, let's, let's carve all this off. This is your laser focus niche. How does that work? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think a good point is that we, I used to think of it, I used to refer to it as niching. And I think that's not the best way to put it. I think the best way to put it specialization. So specialization can happen by focusing on an industry. Um, by On one industry, it can happen by focusing on a few industries that have similarities. So for example, we've had clients to focus on banking, law, and aspects of healthcare. And those all have, you know, a lot of compliance, a lot of crap that most people can't deal with. Um, so that's another, you know, another way that they've specialized. We've had, um, you know, a creative shops that focus on just one big vertical. Then we have had other agencies that do things that are really specialized in terms of the technology or the service, or they're like, we're going to make you so much ROI that they can afford to work with almost anyone. Um, but I, I think the the main point is, you know, being able to choose uh, a place in which you play. Uh, I think that uh, Drew McClellan, who, who perhaps you guys should have on, he's an agency management consultant. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty close. He was on our podcast recently. And he made the point that, you know, a lot of the times there's connective tissue between different areas that, that agencies are working with. And also, you know, I, I was skeptical about my own approach uh, like through this. Like, I, I think that my, my whole thing was like, what if you focus on restaurants six months ago? You know, wouldn't you be in a really rough spot like right now? And I brought that up with Drew and he was like, you know what? No, I have agencies that focus only on restaurants and their phones are ringing off the hook because these companies are, are lo looking for leaders right now. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's not too meandering and that's something to, <laughs> so, some context we've gotten. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that's really, really good. And what you're finding is if the specialization is tweaked, um, that these companies are doing better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And a lot of the times, you know, we're, we're not like a big positioning or like consulting a company, like maybe, maybe you guys are helping out with more, where we're more of a part of it. But I think the exercise of having to do lead generation kind of makes our clients have to figure this out <laughs> a little faster. Um, but but yeah, it, it, a lot of the times it is tweaking, it is kind of repackaging, you know, it's, and I think the biggest issue we see, and, and this is perhaps goes beyond just agencies is there's a lot of focus on, on, me, you know, a lot of me syndrome, as opposed to thinking about the person you're talking to and what they're up against and building the marketing around that. And I think when you're looking at like 
the best copywriters in the world, like old school direct response copywriting. It's all second person. It's all about the, the, the reader. But then when you go on lots of websites, lots of agency sites, it's very self-congratulatory. It's, ch- you know, check out this, check out that. Um, and I, I get it. Like we've done the same thing. We've made, made the same, uh, fallen into the same traps, but it's, it's something to think about. Yeah. You're also an author and uh, it looks like you got two books that I'm, I'm at least probably a couple in, you know, coming out in the future, I would imagine, but mastering account management and the B2B sales blueprint. Um, so how did those inform, you know, what you do? And, and I mean, actually, you know, I'm always, maybe I'll back up a little bit. Um, writing a book's hard, I imagine. I've never done it. Um, and I really admire people that, that, you know, put a stake in the ground and actually do it. So, um, so tell me a little bit about what caused you to do it and, um, and you know, and who, who your audience for these books is. Yeah. So the, the first one, uh, Mastering Account Management was basically just, it started out with me getting drinks with a friend who, who was really into self-publishing and he was like, you should write a book about everything that you're complaining to me about and all these problems you're dealing with all the time. This is Mike Fishbein. So a good friend. And, and then I said, that's ridiculous. You can't just write a book. That's something that like special smart people do. And he was like, well, you, you know, you went to college. Did you write a thesis in college? Did you ever write a long paper? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, a business book isn't that much longer. You know, you, you can do this. And then I was like, all right, let, you know, let me give it a shot. And that ended up becoming the first book. And at the time, you know, it was focused basically on the so-called account management role, which I think can mean a million different things in a million different situations. But the way that I defined it was people that are in a split sales and customer service or client service role. And how, how do you balance that, that undertaking? Um, so that's who it was geared towards. And I ended up, you know, working with, with people of all stripes. I worked with people in the tech world, people in the agency world um, and, and so on kind of at the early stages of, of my consultancy now. Um, and then the B2B sales blueprint role was much more nitty gritty tactical. Um, it, it got into software and list building and all this other stuff. So there's things in that that need to be updated now, but I think the gist of it's still, still okay. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's kind of the, the, you know, the nutshell explanation of those. And um, yeah, I, I would love to write another book at some point. Um, but I think that if I did it again, I would want to devote like a whole year to it and really make it huge. <laughs> and something special. And I don't, I don't know when that's going to be in the cards, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about, um, that whole, uh, you know, this account, well, you, you brought up earlier and it sounds like it's from this, this first role you have, but you know, it's, and Greg, we're running into this, eh? where it's, you know, it's a combination of sales, but also account management, oh, yeah. and, um, you know, as kind of smaller firms and, um, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's tricky, you know, because, uh, like, there's this idea of acquiring new clients, you know, which is a great idea, but man, if you can really, manage accounts properly there's just there's it feels to me like there's so much or at least in my space there's so much more opportunity with the existing clients we have that we just gotta we just gotta do a better job of you know continuing to stay in touch and 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 um and remind what we do and and evolve our services to support the account and all that kind of thing yeah um is in and but i am selling right you know what i mean like yeah you can't you can't i don't know for me they're just and even when i say business development it has everything kind of mashed in together um, yeah. my head and, and I, maybe I haven't done a good job saying this is marketing and you know, this is sales and, and this is account management, but I always, I, I've kind of always mashed it in terms of business development and, and we would both do B, B2B as well. 
And right. it feels like it's um, there's a bit of an art, right? And as well as as well as some of the more technical pieces of it. Yeah, there, there absolutely is, and I, I think that obviously there, there's a balance that has to happen between you know prospecting new business versus farming existing business. Um, so you know when I, when I'm thinking about it and the sort of sermons that we preach, it's very uh, domain dependent. So it's very dependent on the boutique agency world and. I think the biggest, the biggest issue we see and, and why we're always beating the drum about new business is that things are moving a lot faster now. So it used to be, you know, if you ever watch like Mad Men, like that era, you know, you'd have an account that would be with this agency for like decades at a time. Right. And they would, the agency would do almost everything. And that's, you know, that's obviously changed. Um, brands are just bouncing around a lot more. Most brands, they might be working with an agency of record, but then they're also, working with a whole bunch of other little agencies. Most brands aren't even doing the AOR thing and they're, you know, they're constantly testing stuff. They're moving fast. So there, there can't be too much emphasis just on farming. There also has to be a big hunters mentality. And the big problem is, you know, a lot of the agencies we encountered just haven't, haven't prioritized that yet. Um, so that's obviously what we're, what we're helping with. And I'm sure you guys are, are doing a lot of that too. Yeah. Well, I clients. think yeah. it's interesting because, uh, previous to COVID, you know, um, we, we felt the need to really put our, uh, put our foot on the gas on uh, developing new business um, because we live in a part of the world, Atlanta, Canada, um, that, you know, has helped both of our companies be quite successful. You know, uh, I would suggest that both of our companies are of, of the largest of what we do in, the, in this part of the, uh, part of the world. And, uh, but there's a limit to what the opportunity is in this geographic area, right? Yeah. And because we've been operating for 15 plus years, we are the go-to people that people know, you know, and we can, we continue to farm our existing relationships, but you know, uh, a number of months ago, we started to really shift that and actively start to pursue uh, new markets specifically in the U S uh, that we've been, we've been nurturing that for a few years, but really going a little bit more intentional in, into those areas. Yeah. Uh, and now COVID hits, you know, and, uh, Within two or three days, we we pivot rid of our animation, and we've that's been our export, um, and that's all new business opportunity. Like that, that's not us sending film crews out anymore. So uh, everything you're saying is really uh, resonating with with us, you know, uh, with what we're doing, which is really cool and it's refreshing to hear because it's not an it's not a normal instinct actually. I find for most entrepreneurs to be the hunter, it's not a you know, it's not comfortable, uh, but it's critical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's very, you know, smart of you guys to, to, to go in that direction. Um, and yeah, it reminds me of that, that Peter Thiel quote, love him or hate him. It's a good quote. And it is, it is basically like, if you're in a small business, you're in a startup, whatever, look around you. Do you see any salespeople? If not, then you're, you're the salesperson. And yeah, so that's, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how it goes. And I, I, you know, I still, I still encounter agencies and other, you know, other companies that have been around sometimes for decades and they just haven't had to do it yet. You know, they've been able to survive on, you know, sometimes making millions, you know, getting, being around for, for forever and doing this. And, but it gets to a point, I think more and more recently where it's just not enough anymore, you know, like big account, a big account goes, leaves you due to forces outside of your control. Um, and the conversation to fill their spot should have been happening, you know, months ago. <laughs> so, so I, I think that, you know, more and more of not just the agency world, but the whole world's kind of waking up to that need. And I think the good news is that it doesn't have to be, you know, an aggressive thing. It doesn't have to be 
this this sort of like high friction unnatural thing i think a better way to think of it is you're you're selling you're teaching or you're learning every day with your market and as long as you're kind of getting up and going to the gym or brushing your teeth and if you think of it the same way um you'll be okay with this you know do you you know what that's such a good way to put it because i think you know you just when when you say sales a lot of people feel just feel naturally uncomfortable with that right like it it conjures up all the images and and I work with a lot of car guys, so I don't want to make fun of, you know, but you know, you can know the stereotypes that kind of yeah. often come with sales. Um, and yet, uh, and it's interesting because, you know, and we do, we both do business, um, you know, around, across Canada and the States and, 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 and abroad. Um, but we, I, we have a heavy concentration, concentration of business here. What I've noticed, and this might not, maybe it's not unique to Atlanta, Canada, but you know, there's a lot of good, really good practitioners, you know, and they're 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 excellent at whatever that thing is they do, and but that's not enough to be good at it. You have to tell your story, and you have to, you know, educate the market and what you do, and you have to be out there, you know, whatever you want to call it. This is really selling, hunting for new business, and it seems like a real barrier for a lot of like a, a, a lot of smaller businesses and they and and then you see this struggle where they'll hire a salesperson and it won't work out um so like there, there must be a, some a lot of pull for this idea of a fractional um you know like a team like the sales schema to come in to support what this what the um boutique agency is doing versus try to bring in their own person and and um, probably spend more money. And then you're really reliant on that, just that one resource. Yeah, and it's, it's a good point. I appreciate the, the plug. Uh, I think that it's, what's, what's tough and what we can never do is, is, do, is basically doing the, the one-to-one sales interaction, you know, a conversation, being able to, to sell a complex service. That's pretty much an in-house role, no matter how you cut it. You know, what we're doing is getting the first dates lined up and that, and that sort of thing. I think the challenge, you know, whether people hire us or, or try to, to build or do, you know, some or all of what we do in-house um, is that the, the, if, if you try to hire that high level salesperson too early, it's a little bit like getting a driver before you have a car for them. And that's one of the most common things you run across is, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh yeah, we, we hired the salesperson. They were all, they said they were awesome. Of course they did because they're a salesperson. That's what they did. <laughs> exactly. And you know, we paid them six figures and all this stuff. And then, you know, 90 days later they've run through their Rolodex and there's, there's nothing for them. So, you know, high level salespeople are good when they're supported, when they're nurtured, when they're given marketing resources um, to, to get, get on calls and get on meetings. Um, the, the skill set of getting these meetings to teed up and, and marketing, you know, all these things that kind of mesh together is part art, part science. It's some of it's very tedious. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of what we're looking to help our clients with. So, so I, I think that, you know, for your listeners that are like, okay, I need to get my act together. I need to get out there and hunt. Um, the, the thing to do might not be hiring somebody to, to do what only you can do. It might be, you know, getting like investing more of yourself or, or getting help and getting new opportunities teed up. And then once you have that process built, plug the high, the expensive person into it, basically. That's kind of our experience. Yeah, that's, anyway. that, 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 I find that's the, that's the pain and that's the work that yeah. so many, I say, because yeah. I'm one of them and uh, I'm over it now. It took me a number of years, but uh, you know, we've, we've hired a number of senior salespeople at those figures that you're talking about over the years and uh, all good people, excellent sales, but I, I always brought them in from the software world 
where they're essentially selling a widget, um, uh, a really technical widget, of course. But um, what I realized that what they weren't able to do because they weren't filmmakers is sell a creative. Yeah. So they're constantly needing, and in a way, we set them up not for success because they needed the creative resources of the team to help them sell the project, which took up all the time. Of you know, and we realized that if you're not a filmmaker in Hemings House, you're going to have a very difficult time selling Hemings House. So uh, yeah, we're we're yeah. like right down to our 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 editor. See, you know, everybody wears a sales hat to some capacity. Uh, in how they interact with the with the clients and and upsell and it's you know turning into a sales organization was a weird weird thing for a creative shop, but it totally works and uh, yeah so I'm I'm giving thumbs up to the direction that you're pushing for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it and it's yeah it's definitely different you know I, I think that selling the creative selling something that's intangible is it's not going to fit into the same mold as, as what sort of pervades like 80% of all sales training and coaching, which is like the software world or doing what we do when we're selling, you know, ROI based services and stuff. Uh, but I, I do think that there's, there's also advantages to it. And that's that, you know, you get, you get to, to use visuals in a way that nobody else can. You get to really focus on something that's going to capture people's hearts instead of just their minds. Um, so it's, it's a different process, but it, it can be fun in its own way. I think it's, you know, that's, and that's interesting too, is the, um, say we, the exact same thing, Greg, you know, where, where we had a couple people come in to support sales and, um, don't really understand coaching, you know, and that's on us and, you know, but really successful pharmaceutical sales as an example, right. And which is, you know, it's very different than selling this, this service to support developing leaders. And, um, and what I found was interesting was, I don't know if you guys have run across this, but you, you have someone come in and, and in a couple occasions this happened, like we really, I need material. I need, I need material to go to these client meetings. Like I need a brochure. I need, and I've always been going, really, you need a brochure. Like, why would you need a brochure? Like you're creating a relationship and you're, you know, like for me, it just never made sense, but we go and we build this brochure and I got probably a thousand of them sitting over there. Um, you know, on the side, and, and like, but it's like a lot of this idea that sales is about, you know, pitching and it's about having, you know, and here's the three things and which one do you want to pick? And it's just, there's so many sales that aren't like that in my opinion, or like what I'm learning, you know, what I've learned over the years. Um, yeah. But there's that idea that it's a process and we, if we do this many calls and this happens, I mean, yeah, I see how that can, be, you know, support it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't lean on that too heavily. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's true. And I, I think that, you know, you know, when, when sales is working, when it becomes really boring, and you know what people are going to say before they even say it, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the sort of the, that's the, both the rub and the, the advantage or, you know, the, the good thing about it is that, you know, once, once your people are getting to the point of just like, I know exactly what they're going to say. And it's just sort of like this assembly line process. Um, then it becomes a lot easier to replace yourself or to, to hire people and to do all, all these other things. Um, I think there's different ways to get there, but I think when, you know, again, back to specialization, once, once you're leaning more towards that, um, that process I think happens a lot quicker. So that's kind of how, how we've approached it. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, then what's, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I know there's a, a few different ways in, but uh, where, where should we be sending our listeners to, to learn more and engage with you? Yeah, um, our, our site, saleschema.com is probably the best place. So sales is in sales, schema is in schematic, um, or feel free to email me. It's just dan at saleschema.com. And you have a pot. We should plug your podcast. Oh, yeah, that old thing. <laughs> How long have you been doing that for? 
Uh, so about a year and a half, and it's called the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. So we, we keyword stuff the heck out of it. Smart. <laughs> uh, love it, yeah, man. Yeah, for better or worse. So, so yeah, I would love to, to what, anybody what, that's you, curious to check it out. Are you enjoying that? Are you enjoying the podcasting? Yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I did college radio back in the day. So it's, okay. to me, it's like, it's a little familiar, although I'm sober for it now as opposed to in college. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's more businessy and less hip hop and stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I think that there's a lot of intangible benefits. I think a lot of the times people are like, well, how many, you know, how much business do you close? I'm like, yeah, we close clients from it, but it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's like, I'm, I'm talking to people all the time anyway. Um, it's a way to have interesting conversations. And I think whether you pick a podcast as your content strategy or blogging or whatever, it should be something that you can have fun with. Otherwise, what's the point of it? It just takes too long. (laughs) Amen. Totally. I mean, that's, I mean, Greg and I are big believers in that. And it it is, it is a bit, I mean, we can, we definitely have closed a business, Greg, as a result of this this for six odd years. But if that was the only purpose, we would have given up a long time ago because we actually have a lot of fun and we get to meet people, cool people like you. One last thing before you go, um, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I, I I saw that in your bio and, um, and I have a fascination with it. And I recently learned it's, it's much harder to actually get on a mat and, and try it out than it is to watch it and appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so and of course, you know, I can't even get, get involved now. But I, I, I went to these beginner classes. And I'm telling you, man, that it's, it is it is other world. Like I was like immersed in this other world and I was like, didn't know what was going on. Um, so I, yeah. so I'm fascinated. So I got to get back to it, um, at some point, but, um, what are you, uh, what, what, so you're obviously have a, like what you, what, what uh, I'm just a hobbyist. So, but I am into it. I, I'm a blue belt, whatever that means. So, so, you know, a few years in basically. And yeah, if we have another two hours, we should do a whole other, other episode on well, it. But um, I'd love to talk to you about yeah, that. Cause I just, I'm fascinated cool. by it. I just think it's such a, and, and, um, and, and I know we got to jump, but I mean, I just, my little exposure, my tiny little exposure yeah. to it. I, the, uh, what I found was it's such a welcoming place and it's, it's very welcoming. Like yeah. It's very, um, it's, it's very, uh, you know, game theory kind of problem solving base. So really kind of, it's one of those things that takes over your life where you decide it's not for you. And right now, you know, is, is a very strange time <laughs> for the sport because it's the most physical sport you can imagine. Um, so who knows when it's going to come back every, all of, all of my friends and I that do it are just sort of jonesing right now. And, we're all sort of in this, this weird well, purgatory. So, well, Dan, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a gift, but if you can uh, gift yeah. it on to your friends who are jonesing, uh, yeah, I know I know MMA is far more than just uh, jujitsu, but um, I just put a link in the Zoom here, uh, cool. and it's it's YouTube.com/slash/c/slash/Hemmingshouse. Yeah. So just do a quick little search for Hemmingshouse on YouTube. And we just re-released our MMA TV series called Cubicle to the Cage. Oh, I'm way into MMA as well. Yeah. You're gonna love you're gonna love the show, man. I want you to watch the show, and tell me what you think. Yeah, um, yeah. Real, and, quick, uh, real quick, what did you guys think of the last card this last week? Did you guys catch it? Uh, with, what, like yesterday, like Wednesday, or the weekend? Uh, uh, the weekend. So, so the one with, with uh, Tony and Gaethje. Incredible, Gaethje, yeah. unbelievable. Like it was just on. Like oh God. It was, it was stacked card. That's the other thing. 
like I was yeah, like I was so going into it and I got on uh, with a bunch of buddies. I grew up in northern Canada, the Yukon, all the we call them the Yukon boys. We all got on a Zoom and then watched it. And um, it was like, holy cow, it was incredible. And you imagine how loud that would have been if, if there was a crowd there. You wouldn't be able to hear anything. I know. And, and how, how tricky that would be for, for them in the moment without having that crowd energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. totally. Well, and, and then I, I heard an interesting thing where supposedly they could hear Daniel Cormier commentating and they were, they were, they were actually using what he was, how he was commentating to, to, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a whole other like weird dynamic. Yeah. It's just in uncharted territory with that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's super strange. And it, it was, it was so fun to watch though. You know, I think uh, there was, the there was a really, performed incredibly. Yeah. There was a really good, um, and I don't know, I can't remember the names cause I, I wasn't known to them, but a really good um, grappling match in the um, prelim. Bryce yeah. Mitchell. Okay. So Bryce Mitchell is my favorite grappler right now. Holy um, he, cow. He yeah. Was, um, he, he's great. He's great. He's, he's like, uh, you know, he trains in Arkansas. He lives on a farm. There's a story on YouTube that it could be fake, but I think it's real where he was, he was hunting and he, he rear naked choked a deer because <laughs> he like ran out of arrows and he snuck up behind it. And I think he's telling the truth. If you hear it, it's in depth enough. There's enough detail, uh, but he, he's awesome. And uh, yeah, he just, he just dominated. But, uh, yeah, that was, though I was like, and again, me, me, the neophyte, but just appreciate, like, really appreciate the art. Watching that was like, you know, like he's on another level. But yeah. you got to check out Greg's cubicle to the cage. It's pretty oh cool. It's about guys that they go literally from behind a desk in a, you know, in a tech company to fighting, uh, you know, in, oh, into pro the fight. It became pro fighters as a result. Yeah. Cool. Have you guys watched Rough and Rowdy, by the way? No. Oh, it's so Barstool Sports has this uh, league called Rough and Rowdy, where it's like they do it in like coal mining towns in the U.S. Oh, cool. It's it's kind of like that. It's like it's way dirty, but it's it's pretty entertaining. Ah, okay, man. Well, this is good. So watch yeah. it again, and I'd love to get your opinion as somebody who's into it, and uh, that'd be awesome. And uh, thanks for being on the on the podcast with us, yeah, man. Yeah. Really nice meeting you, Dan. Yeah, likewise, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. Take care, buddy. Awesome. Take care. See ya. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.